the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Ghost and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. Our recent shows in Magic Markets Premium have included platforms like TripAdvisor, technology businesses like Salesforce, luxury consumer brands like LVMH and Aston Martin, and even an old-school industrials group like 3M. For just 99 Rand a month and no minimum commitment, there is no better way to learn about international stocks and how to research them. Visit magic-markets.com to sign up today. Welcome to episode 140 of Magic Markets. That number is quite near and dear to me because, you know, some say that may or may not be my current motorsport number in the class that I race in, but I'll stop there before I give away too many ghostly secrets. Uh, Mo, you don't have any secrets or at least uh, no motorsport or identity related ones. But uh, perhaps the biggest secret is, you know, I don't know, do you own a pair of Crocs? You've had to go and research the thing. So now your Google ads are probably going to just be, you know, filled with these disgusting shoes for today's show. Come on, be honest. Do you own a pair of Crocs? I don't. I'm glad to say I don't. I, I've, ne- I've, I've never really caught on to it. But, but I must say, uh, my daughters did have a bit of a laugh because one of the newest brands that Crocs has actually invested in is a, a shoe called Hey Dudes, right? And the reason they're laughing is if you go and have a look at these shoes, go and Google them if you haven't seen them, they really look like a pair of grandpa shoes out there, you know? And my, my daughters are having a laugh because they said that's probably, the, uh, that's probably the more appropriate purchase for me. Instead of a colorful pair of Crocs, I should go and buy these grandpa shoes called Hey Dudes. Uh, but let's save some of that for the show, Ghost. I mean, I know you always sport a very uh, a very smart pair of Nikes. You've told us a bit about that. And, and I guess that largely behind the stock that you're going to be looking at uh, for us this week as well. Yeah, it's probably my go-through for sports-related shoes. I've always been quite partial to the brand, although outside of that, not necessarily. But yeah, it's amazing. I'm, I'm quite glad that Barbie, you know, this year wasn't wearing pink Crocs because I think life would have just been unlivable. I think, honestly, if the world was just filled with pink Crocs this year, I don't know if I would have made it through 2023. We already had to deal with a pandemic. Nobody needs that. But for all the teasing about Crocs, a little toddler ghost, he had a great pair of Crocs. They were his favorite shoes for a long time. So I agree with you. I think for the kids, it's great. But it's almost like owning your own ride-on scooter. There should be an age limit on this. At some point, it's time. Just stop. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think that age limit, yeah, let's let's not get too much into that because some would argue that that age limit is actually very low. It's at zero. You should never wear a pair of Crocs. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you on Nike. I mean, I, I've got a nice pair of Nikes that I, I bought fairly recently. Uh, but again, have, have had a history of, of good, just good Nikes. And I guess maybe that's part of why we're having that discussion today. So again, for, for the listeners that are not familiar with this new format we're trying on Magic Markets, we're trying to go with A, a shorter format. You told us 20 minutes is the sweet spot. So that's the first part. The second part is we try and have a quick recap on companies that have released results fairly recently with a little bit of a look through to some reports that we have done all the way back in terms of our archival library at Magic Markets Premium. So this week, you're in for a treat with both Nike on the fashionable side of the spectrum and Crocs on the non-fashionable side of the spectrum. Ghost, I'm going to jump straight into Crocs right now because I've taken the abuse. So it's time to look at what stood out for me in the latest news flow from Crocs. Now, again, it's a stock that we covered around the middle of December 2022. And back then, it was around $95 a share. I want to highlight this one point because we've actually showcased Crocs as a show outside of our paywall. So for those of you that are not subscribers, go and have a look on our website. It's there as a free archival report that you can go and have a look at. And the reason I highlight that is we called it the most positive surprise relative to our initial expectations at the time that we had received 
from any company we had looked at in Magic Markets Premium. Now, that's quite an endorsement. Was that the right way around? Well, like I said, when we covered it, around $95 a share, and it rallied subsequently, went through to our R1, our first resistance level, kind of paused around there, then went to our second resistance level. And in fact, our second resistance level around 145 was surpassed. The stock got as high as around $152 a share. So from 95 to 152, and this highlights the importance of why you've got to stay on top of your investments. Because subsequent to that, the stock has corrected. It's heading lower right now. It's broken in July of this year out of a rising channel that we had identified that was in place around $114. And it's heading for a test of the 200-week moving average around $85 a share. Now, that's just some history. What's actually standing out for us right now is that we've had the Q2 update from Crocs. And I'm going to actually say it was a bit meh. Now that's, that's a technical term, right? Is that the market didn't like that update. And the reason for that is overall revenue growth was again, a bit meh at around 11% a year on year. And a lot of that was driven by this massive increase in Asia, around 39% increase in Asia. Now, yes, admittedly, that is a low base. It only makes up around 15% of the business right now. But other than the Asia story, 11% growth, not really exciting the market. The stock got punished for that. And it's going to lead into my next point. I'm not going to steal from that quite yet, Ghost, but it leads into these big question marks around that brand I mentioned in the intro. Hey, dudes, that's a business Crocs paid $2 billion for, but a little bit more on that later on. I mean, it's fascinating, man. This is why we do what we do in this show, right? Because neither of us want to be walking around in Crocs, but we can look at it and say, okay, that's an interesting investment. Flip side of that is both of us would very happily walk around in Nikes and both of us agreed it's way too expensive. So the point of this is investing is not about what you would have in your cupboard. It partially is because goodness knows Crocs at the same valuation as Nike slash Nike at a low valuation suddenly makes it very easy. Then it is a case of what you would have in your cupboard is what you would have in your broker account. But that's not how investing works. It's all about the price. So moving on to my first point in Nike. Their last earnings call was in June. So we're actually due another one pretty soon. And that dealt with the fourth quarter of the last financial year. So that capped off a fiscal year. A lot to talk about whenever they are looking at a full year. But one of the key points that I picked up on was they had a record year for the Jordan brand. Now it grew by an absolutely ridiculous mid 30% growth rate. It's en route, according to Nike, to being the second largest footwear brand in the US. Now, the power of brands is the entire investment case for Nike, basically, and that is what they've built their digital strategy around. You cannot have a direct-to-consumer business unless you have the brands. You've got to have products that are so strong that consumers just cannot wait to come to you. And of course, then you need to be able to execute efficiently because a bad online experience wipes out a strong product. I've mentioned a few times on Magic Markets before that I was a direct consumer customer of theirs all the way here in South Africa and it worked like a bomb. It was brilliant, to be honest. So get this for a statistic and it's something we've referenced in our Magic Markets premium show this week as well because we're covering Foot Locker. The percentage of digital sales at Nike has increased from 10%, so that's a percent of their total sales, 10% in 2019 to 26% in 2023. And in 2023, digital sales grew 24%. So that's well ahead of the rest of the business, which means digital penetration is going up and up and up, which is what you would expect. Now, the flip side of this is that Nike has cut down on its wholesalers, both in terms of the number of different wholesalers, but also just their allocation of inventory. 
And this has been really tough for a business like Foot Locker, but it's not just Foot Locker. There are other wholesalers that get hurt by this, like Dick's Sporting Goods, for example, and others. So if you need further evidence of uh, the strength of the Nike brand, just to close off on this point, both selling prices and volumes were up sharply to achieve mid-teens growth for this year. So not only is there pricing power, but there's demand despite inflation. And this is the kind of stuff that really gets people excited when investing in brands. And that's a fantastic point and, and leads almost perfectly into my next point on Crocs, right? Is we're talking power of brands. We're talking about how recognizable Nike is and how recognizable Air Jordans are. You know, that Jordan brand is a, a sub-brand within Nike, but it's just really remarkable. In fact, there's a, there's a whole movie about it now. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Go and check that out. It was very interesting to just kind of have a look at that. And let's bring that back across to Crocs because I've mentioned this brand, this business they've invested in called Hey Dudes. Now, if you haven't heard about that, that should start raising a couple of question marks. It certainly raised a lot of questions in the last earnings call with management. So let's rewind. Hey Dudes is a business that Crocs acquired for around $2 billion 18 months ago. Now, their view at the time was really to absorb this business into their existing infrastructure. They have a store infrastructure, logistics infrastructure, and they thought that they could take this brand and really start spinning that around quite nicely. And that justified, I guess, the investment narrative at the time. So let's see how they've done. Sales since the acquisition of the company have doubled. But that's off a very, very low base. And what's important is we need to look at what the recent performance has been. So if we look at year-on-year -year growth in the Hey Dudes brand specifically, that was all the way down at a very sluggish 2.9%. Now, remember, this compares to an already sluggish 11% headline growth of revenue across the entire group. So Hey Dudes, definitely a drag on the headline performance. It's certainly below the group as a whole. Now, management was at pains to stress that there was some base effect coming through a high base last year as they stocked a lot of their wholesalers. And now those same wholesalers, given the macroeconomic backdrop, are being quite cautious. They may be destocking a little bit relative to that. And that has contributed to some of the drag, the disappointment on the year-on-year -year growth on the top line here. So the question mark from analysts was, can this brand work? Now, is it important to Crocs as a whole? Yes, the number's 26%. Ironically, that's the same number you mentioned in terms of Nike's direct-to-consumer strategy. Here, it's 26% of total revenue at Crocs is Hey Dudes. Now, that tells you that it's an important part of the business. It's just not making money. It's, not, it's just not making enough money and gaining enough traction. Let's also look at another dimension here, Ghost. You always tend to look at just what do gross margins do? And this is an important point because if we look at gross margins at Crocs, I'm talking of Crocs, the brand, not the entire business, at Crocs, those run at around 62%. In Hey Dudes, that runs all the way down at around 47%. So it's an expensive business. It's a business that has lower margins. And this highlights some of the difficulties that management is having in terms of getting this acquisition to make sense. Last point here before I move on, Ghost, is looking at gross margins, operating margins, and net margins across the business as a whole relative to when we covered it at the end of 2022. The good news here is that they're all higher. 
But guess what? So is the stock. That's actually rallied a little bit. Like I say, it was around 95 when we had covered it. It's currently, in fact, I would say rally. It's currently at the same level. So if you're buying it for the margin story, hey, maybe there's a bit of a, a silver lining in that particular story. Mo, that's why direct consumer is so important for these brands, actually. I'm going to touch on it later. Nike's gross margin, that sits at around 43.6%, interestingly enough. But they have a mix of wholesale, direct to consumer. I guess Crocs do as well. Amazing that Crocs sits at like over 60%. But the point is Foot Locker that we're covering this week, that sits at around 28%. So, you know, the wholesaler makes a much lower margin. And of course, if Nike can sell the shoe directly to the end user, they make that full delicious margin. Same for Crocs. That's why direct-to-consumer matters. But my second point on Nike is actually about sport. Nike was the number one sports brand on Tmall in China in the all-important Chinese shopping festival. And this is why they feel confident making a comment like this. Just listen to this. This is straight from the management team. Where other brands strive to grow their slice of the pie, we're able to grow the pie itself. If that isn't the cockiest comment you've ever heard in your life, then I honestly don't know what is. And they are not wrong. They are not wrong. Nike has the marketing firepower to grow sport. Not their share of sport, just sport. Like, that's Nike. So football, for example, was up 25% in the last financial year. And of course, the Women's World Cup, that now opens an entire new opportunity for players entering the sport. I think that FIFA Women's World Cup was actually a pretty big deal. And it's growing. Women's soccer is really, really growing, or women's football, depending on what you want to call it. And of course, Nike products, they are front and center of this. Surprise, surprise. Basketball, that's another huge area of strength for them. And that, of course, is why, you know, brands like Jordan then filter through into streetwear. And they have long-standing partnerships and products going back all these years with the likes of LeBron, Kobe Bryant. So, you know, this is a big part of the business as well. And, of course, there's tennis. I mean, who can forget Roger Federer with his Nike ticks all the time? Carlos Alcaraz, the most exciting player in men's tennis right now, he was tweeting literally today about, you know, being at the Nike head office there. It's brilliant. Running, that's an interesting one. Now, if you know anything about the history of Nike, you'll know that running was the genesis of this thing. It grew 10% in the last financial year, despite a huge onslaught from competitors. And if you go and you juxtapose this with you know, Foot Locker, they are talking about niche running brands as being a way to compete with Nike. So this is probably the most competitive space of all is in running shoes. And Nike is still growing double digits, despite the level of competition coming through. So growth it's just not the problem here. With their sport business and their endorsements and all of these incredible partnerships going back over all the years, it is very hard to beat Nike when it comes to sport. Yeah, indeed, Ghost. And I mean, you, you've mentioned a couple of things there. Firstly, you mentioned Nike ticks. We're gonna, I'm going to correct you. I'm going to say it's Nike swoosh, right? I think you just said Roger Federer and his Nike ticks. That said, they've got these massive endorsements. Now, Crocs may be taking a little bit of a leaf out of that book. I know recently have announced some tie-ups with Chinese designers, and this showing you that emphasis on Asia as an engine for growth. And then, you know, interesting for me that the gross margin at Crocs is actually higher than Nike because maybe there just isn't as much cost in producing foam clogs versus these really slick looking Air Jordans. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rain on Crocs' parade. My last point here is that as powerful as the Nike brand is, and with that kind of, yeah, I think you mentioned the most confident commentary coming out of Nike, what does that translate to in terms of, is it a good investment? How have these stocks performed? Because Nike is a powerful business. But guess what? You're going to be paying up for that powerful business and it's reflected in the share price already. Do we see the same thing in Crocs? So my last point here is just maybe a simplistic look at how has 
Crocs performed relative to Nike and other brands in the space. We're covering Foot Locker this week in Magic Markets Premium, and we're discussing where different players fall in the value chain. I would argue that a company like Crocs sitting way higher in the food chain than the likes of a Foot Locker, and probably a decent comparative to the likes of Nike, maybe not in terms of the heft of the brand, but let's look at that share price performance. Now, I've indicated how the stock rallied quite strongly from when we had covered it, but then subsequently corrected. So if we look at year-to-date performance, Crocs down around 12%. But guess what? It outperformed Nike, which is down around 16% over the same time period. Uh, the, the performers in the space, ironically, Puma and Adidas coming through from Europe with strong double-digit returns. So let's zoom out. 12 months, has Crocs done okay over that time period? Well, again, I'll start off here. goes Nike down 7.5%. Crocs up 28%. That's just remarkable. That's quite interesting. Not what you would expect it to have seen, just given the positioning of the brands, the power of the brands. You know, buy what's in your wardrobe. Well, how much are you paying to buy what's in your wardrobe? And then the last point, and this is the one I want to land on. Let's look at a five-year performance here. Nike, 21%. Crocs, hazard a guess. Goes, give us a guess here. No, I can't because I'm busy pulling up the chart while you're talking because it's so interesting. So I'll <laughs> yeah, be ruining it. But it's don't ridiculous. Cheat. So I'll, it I'll, is ridiculous. Don't cheat. 371% over five years. So where I want to land on this ghost is that, yes, they're both decent businesses. Crocs, a new brand. Yes, you're going to laugh at Crocs. It's not fashionable. But the important point when you're looking at it from an investment perspective is how much are you paying for the story, how much of it is priced into the stock. And certainly past performance, not an indication of future performance, but it's just remarkable the extent of outperformance from a lesser known brand, one that's arguably ugly, I'm gonna go there, versus Nike that's iconic. Well, I think the performance on Crocs, not ugly at all. No, certainly not ugly at all. So my, my final point around Nike is just the global strength of the business. And basically they learn from every single market they play in and they can shift inventory around accordingly. And again, that's the joy of this direct-to-consumer model, right? Is they can deliver to little old me sitting in South Africa ordering tennis shoes. And Nike has stores in most markets, really, Nike-branded stores. And of course, this ability to move inventory around to where it is needed has helped bring the inventory situation under control, which is what I wanted to highlight here. When they reported their full year numbers, despite sales being up by mid-teens, their inventory was actually flat year on year. So what that obviously does is it helps a lot with fixing their working capital ratios. And of course, what this global footprint also lets them do is actually understand how the different brands are performing in different parts of the world. So they can go and assess the opportunity in each market. For example, they know that Jordan's market share in the rest of the world is around 10 percentage points lower than it is in North America. Now, basketball is not exactly a global phenomenon. It's very much US and a few other countries. It is big. I think it's quite big in China, for example. You know, it's really not that big in a place like South Africa, despite the fact that sneaker culture is. So there is a bit of follow through, even though people don't really watch basketball. But there's an opportunity. If Nike says there's an opportunity for this, they are probably not wrong. However, for all of the strength in the brand and, you know, the global footprint and everything else, I do want to point out that gross margin fell in the fourth quarter by 140 basis points to 43.6%. And sales in the fourth quarter, not full year, the fourth quarter were up 5% in dollars, 8% in constant currency. That is a lot lower than the full year results. So cadence, 
that word you hate mo that i quite like is the concern here and cadence just means over the year how has the story moved in other words what is it running at now what is the current run rate not just you know, how did the whole of the last 12 months compare to the 12 months before that? And the cadence is the concern because global economic conditions have deteriorated. And this is why the share price, I think, is down year to date. It's a big part of why it's down. It's trading at roughly pre-pandemic levels and it's still not cheap. Nike is not cheap. I'm not sure it ever truly gets cheap because the brand is just too ridiculous. But for all the strength and the power of the brands and everything else, I think the overarching story in this podcast, Mo, is valuation matters. And that's the beauty of comparing something like Nike and Crocs is, again, I think it's quite clear which one you'd rather be wearing, but having it in your portfolio, different story. Indeed, Ghost. And I think that's unfortunately where we've got to wrap this week. We're up on our 20-minute time limit. So let us know what you think of the show. If you've missed out on Crocs, if you're not a subscriber, go and have a look at the archive report. It's there. It's free. It's on the website. If you are a subscriber and you missed it, go and check it out, but also check out our report on Nike. And then go and check out this week's report on Foot Locker if you're a subscriber. Uh, let us know what you thought of the show. Hit us up on social media. It's at Magic Markets Pod, one word. You can also find us at at Muhammad Nala and at Finance Ghost, still on Twitter or X, if you want to call it that. And then go and find us on LinkedIn as well. Until next week, same time, same place. Thanks and cheers. Ciao. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor 